0: I think I got some heat here. That is
1: tasty.
2: What's next, dog?
1: That was heat. The doctor is in.
2: Hello, doc is in nation. Thanks for uh, hopping on the podcast with us today. We have a couple of big things to talk about. We're gonna hit on dinosaurs and evil and um, how old is the Earth and evolution. So it's all centering around how to read Genesis. So, can't wait to jump into that today. <laughs> that was horrible. Wait, wait, wait. That was Sci-fi. horrible. Wait, wait, I forgot
0: about it. I was like, I'll just wait till it ends.
3: <laughs> we, we planned that out. We thought it was going to work so much better than it did. <laughs> spooky.
2: <laughs> is Genesis scary? I yeah, know. so
1: why is Genesis Spooky.
3: It's, Jade thinks it sounds like science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Whatever, we got to play with that stuff, you know. All right, so, we're going to be talking about Genesis. How old y'all think the world is? I don't know. Let's, let's talk about it.
0: Real quick, the three questions. Wait, did you, did you break them down already? I
2: introduced already? them, yeah, but you oh can reiterate.
0: Gosh. We're going to cut some of this. <laughs> no, no. no. I think I like it.
1: Let it
3: ride. You
0: guys I'm will see recording. how recording.
3: What does it say? What is this saying? Let's like, see how soon. the meat we'll is talk made.
0: About it. Yeah. Once you see how sausage is made. <laughs>
3: yeah. This is how the sausage is made.
1: Yeah. Have we done the ad?
3: No, nah, the ad will be in there somewhere. If you
0: haven't heard it already, it's going to play right now. This episode brought to you by Tushy Bidets, the freshest way to clean your bone. Also, use code Bidet for 14% off. Now back to the doctor's yeah. Okay, we're back. <laughs> um, so pretty much the framing of this question, before we were recording, we were talking about it. And it turns out we all actually do kind of have different opinions. And didn't we're really, like kind of arguing about
1: it. We're <laughs> like, wait, why don't we just hit, hit record? Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Yeah, so pretty much I'll just, I'm just going to take a second just to frame up kind of what we're thinking. So there are people who are like really strong Christians who read Genesis just as complete literal as like a historical text of how the earth was created. And then there are people who are really strong Christians who, um, read it as something different than that and think that the world might have the creation of the world and how the world operated up to the point of Adam and Eve was not like a seven day creation story and was more along the lines of what you might learn about in your public school science class. So that's kind of what we're talking about. And we're going to figure out how all these questions can fit into that and how we should read Genesis 1 through 3.
1: So, yeah, I mean, that's so that's that's the I don't think anyone asked a question about this, but it's kind of the question that hangs over all of this, all of these questions with the age of the earth, when were dinosaurs, what about evil is how do we interpret these early chapters of Genesis? And before we, so we were coming to some different. Uh, when we were having this discussion, we were like, "Okay, so there may be some wiggle room here of how to interpret this. Do we have to read it as a historical literal text?" Jade, you had you had some thoughts, and we cut you off, and we're like, "All right, we're pushing record." So, what, what what are your thoughts about about Genesis and how we interpret it
2: on Genesis? Yeah, I think it's literal because I'm like, "Are we just gonna is Jesus gonna come out with a bang?" But it's like, I caught a trickery, and I know a big it's not perhaps.
0: Is he gonna open up?
2: Like, we're going to open up the word, and, like, initially, it's boom, analogy. I don't know. Could be. Um, but I don't read Genesis the way I would Song of Songs, or, which I'm not in there a lot, by the way, um, or the Psalms. Um, it just, it just feels different. I mean, when he's laying out creation, and I'm over here reading about, you know, let the earth sprout vegetable plants, or vegetation plants, yielding seed, fruit trees, the animals, the whole nine yards, I just don't think... That seems like an analogy or something you got to uh, guess what he's trying to say. I think it's very literal. On this day, this is what happened, and then this day, this is what happened. Um, and <clears throat> the fact that the earth started off um, with chaos, it was void, it was dark, I think that, that makes sense, like before. Um, I mean, the Lord, had o- like his presence had always been there, but um, yeah, darkness and chaos seems like that is how, the world would start before there was order to it.
3: Yeah, I I don't really know what th- this could be referring to. Just something so totally different. I told Derek that I read one article, and now I'm now an I, expert. Now. now I'm an expert. But this article, it says, quoting Psalm thirty three ninety, it says, He spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So who knows what that's talking about, but maybe it's talking about Genesis. He spoke, and it was done. It wasn't like... I created this and then it took 10,000 years to happen. I mean, I definitely, I'm not, I'm
0: still figuring this one out too, as you're going to see on the pod because I'm probably going to flip flop a lot. And I'm not strong necessarily one way or the other, but just because let's say it is the old earth and it's, you know, tens of millions of years, that doesn't mean that he didn't have his hand over all of it and he didn't speak it into the way it is or that wasn't a part of his plan already. And also we have that idea of, I mean, we don't have to get into it again, but he's outside of time. So him speaking something and it being created doesn't mean he says the words and it takes him 10 seconds to say the sentence. And then right after the sentence, it's created. You know, he could be speaking those words over millions of years or you see what I'm saying with that kind of, mm-hmm. so I think for that specific verse from Psalms, I don't necessarily that think that that's evidence of a literal Genesis reading.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that I just want to really highlight here is that there are faithful Christians on different sides of the aisle here having this discussion, and the I don't I actually really don't have. As I was telling them before, I don't have really settled convictions on the age of the earth, for example. I'm, um, uh, have some thoughts about how to read Genesis. I have some thoughts about how to appropriate science and what that relationship looks like. But I don't have subtle convictions about the age of the earth or, um, uh, some, even some other specifics about, about reading Genesis. But I do have the one conviction that I think there are actually valid, different valid approaches to this. And there isn't just one way. Like there are some things that we say, Hey, this is, there's only one way to approach the gospels. And that's that you interpret Jesus as the son, the living God, um, the word in the flesh like these are these are kind of the essentials that you that unite us as Christians and there are some things that are more secondary issues and how to interpret these earliest these earlier chapters are um is one of them um but let let me let me offer maybe a a way a reason let me offer a quick defense of interpreting Genesis non-literally so The word literal even is a little bit tricky because what does it mean to read the Bible literally? So let's take just an an obvious example. Um, Jesus tells a lot of parables, and parables are stories. They're presumably things that when Jesus is saying them, they're not, they didn't literally happen. So whenever I read something like the parable of the Good Samaritan, for example, if I'm interpreting that passage literally, does that necessarily mean that I have to believe that there was a person called the Good Samaritan, um, and the story, uh, is recording a historical event or something. Um, it seems to me, no. And it seems to me that I can still say that the parable of the Good Samaritan is true, is true and actually important for how I, for my relationship with God. Um, and I wouldn't want to diminish it because it didn't happen in history or there wasn't an actual person called the Good Samaritan or something. That the fact that it's a story or an analogy does not lessen its truth.
3: Doesn't, doesn't Scripture most of the time identify a parable?
1: You mean like, I mean, Jesus will sometimes say... This like, is a parable. a parable? Yeah, yeah.
3: And so, you know, would they not identify for the clarity's sake, like, this is...
2: That's what I was thinking. Like, the parable of the lost coin or the sheep, I feel like it'd be like, all right, Genesis, the parable of the creation story.
1: Yeah, I but, don't know. but that doesn't always happen. Like, he does do yeah. that sometimes, but there are a lot of parables where he just runs into it. There were two men walking on the street, or, like, whatever. Um, and, I mean, like, like there it's not just Jesus' parables. Like, that's, that's an obvious example. The reason I bring up Jesus' parables is just to say, here's some examples of stories that we would mostly agree, it sounds like, are non-historical and and therefore to some extent non-literal, but yet we would want to also say that these stories are true in some really profound and important way and that they're extremely important for us and and extremely important for our relationship with God and learning who God is. There are a lot of places in Scripture where you have analogies or metaphors that aren't introduced as such. So the Psalms are the, and again, a kind of an easy example where it says, you know, God is a rock. Well, it's not saying that God is a pebble on the ground, right? It's saying, it's trying to, to tell us something about God with this analogy, um, even though it doesn't introduce it as such. There are more, even extreme examples, and like outside the Psalms, places like Daniel chapter seven, which I know CSF is going through Daniel. You will <laughs> will run into that and think mm-hmm. like, What's going on here? Revelation is very similar uh, in the way that it uses symbols, and even the way the Bible uses numbers. They're often not meant to be uh, literal, but to actually communicate an important truth uh, that's not that would be more important even than conveyed by a sort a historical literal truth or something like that.
0: That's what I was gonna say. Is I feel like if you read this completely literal, you actually are missing things. Like you're not. I I don't think it diminishes God to read it um, as non-literal. And I think reading in literal, we can actually miss some like pretty cool truths that can be discovered when you don't. How do you
3: explain the genealogy side of all this?
1: Well, before we get there, I do, I want to make one more point about, uh, interpreting Genesis literally. Or oh, yeah, not. Go ahead. Um, so, so everything I've said so far is just kind of general. Here's how, here's why just because something isn't literal is, is kind of the point I'm making doesn't mean it isn't true or doesn't mean it's not important. Um, but there are actually some reasons, I think, and, and I'm not saying there are no good answers to this, but there are some reasons to think that Genesis 1 and 2 are, are not meant to be literal, In actually in the text, whenever you just read the story. Um, so, so one of the first ones is, it, you know, as famously in Genesis 1, God's creating the earth in six days. Um, but then in uh, day four in verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the light to separate the day from the night and let the signs of the indicate seasons and in days and years and let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky. And it was so, you know, the greater to, to rule. So God creates the, the sun and the moon in in day three and or and day four. And it explicitly says to separate the day from the night. But this is day four. That I means so we've already had three days that have happened before there were sun and moon. So what do we mean by days? Like, it, it, seem, it seems at the very least that that would, that would undercut the, the theory that these are six days in the exact same sense that we would use the word day. Another one, so Jade brought up, like, vegetation, for example. <laughs> this is uh, day three. You know, it says, let the land produce vegetation, plants (laughs) yielding seeds and trees in the land bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants yielding uh, seeds according to their kinds, and so on and so forth. So God creates plants and vegetations. And so for reading this as a linear historical narrative, we can flip over to Genesis chapter 2. Starting in verse five, it says, "Now no shrub of the field had yet grown on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord had not caused rain on the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground." So here it seems to suggest that there, are, there is no vegetation yet that has arisen. That has so um, there you also just kind of have this and I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, like I took a little bit of Hebrew in seminary, but um, I've been told on pretty good authority that Genesis 1 is written as a poem. And you can even kind of get that in English, even though it's not, you know, it's we we can't maybe catch the rhymes, like the rhythm of it feels very poetic, um, and so yeah, th- those are just some reasons to say that, like, hey, maybe maybe even if we just read the text itself, that we have some reason to think that Genesis one at least is is maybe not a linear historical narrative, as if we were reading, you know, a newspaper that's recording the the creation of the earth. Um, So I don't know. Those are just some thoughts that I wanted to throw on there too.
2: Dang, no carrots for me.
1: (laughs) I mean, but again, and this is, and this is, so this goes both ways. Like there are a lot of really smart, faithful Christians who do think that the earth was made in six literal days and that Genesis says that. So I don't want to throw any view completely under the bus and say, hey, like you can't, you can't hold this view and be a serious Christian because I think you can.
3: So this is I'm I'm going to slightly take this uh what's the new earth side just for the sake of trying to flush out the argument. I don't even really know what I think, but so then I feel like if this is to take taken figuratively the one question is what about genealogies and stuff that says it takes the genealogy of Christ all the way back to Adam. So then if he wasn't a person, then is Christ's genealogy, at the core, a myth? And that's kind of where the 6,000-ish
0: years comes from, that people say they do that, genealogy back, and then they add on the five extra days yeah. from before Adam was created <laughs> for context.
1: Yeah. It comes from a guy named Usher, um, not the singer. Uh, but that's, that's you. you do, do people even know who Usher is these days? They're like...
0: I know he performed at a Super Bowl at some point or something that's, like that. That's
1: man. That's <laughs> how you know you're old. Take <laughs> so that. No one's We know who Usher that. is. Yes, okay, okay. we do. Well, this is not that Usher. This is in the Reformation. He, yeah, he basically traced the linear, the lineage uh, from the genealogies and determined. I think this is right. So I may be off on my dates here, but I think he determined that the Earth was created in the year 4004 BC, uh, before Christ. So yeah, the genealogies. Um. I don't really have settled convictions on this either. I know that, so in, the, in even in the Gospels, for example, the genealogies start, they begin in different places. I think, does one begin with Abraham and the other one begins with, with Adam? Yeah, it's um,
3: Matthew 1 and Luke 3. The Matthew I looked at, it doesn't even go all the way back to, uh, what's his name? Adam. <laughs> yeah. But in Luke it does.
1: Yeah, and this is also, I, I probably should have done, you know, my homework before uh, hopping on this podcast, but I, I do know that genealogies in general in the Bible are very much like, I, I, and, and again, we, this would take us way, way, way far afield if we got into, for example, how to interpret something like Revelation or some of the signs and, and symbols that we see there. Um, but genealogies are kind of used in a similar way, is that genealogies are... We, we think of genealogies because, and again, we have to recognize that we don't think like the biblical authors and biblical readers do. Not exactly. There are certainly overlaps, but we think very differently. One of the ways we think is very, again, we, we, we think, give me the newspaper. Give me the who, what, when, where, how. And what's important is the historical record. Um, but I mean, when you think about it, we've talked about this before, is how the Gospels could only record so much. And they were packing these Stories filled with the most important things about Jesus. So, why, if it was only about historical record, would they concern themselves with like putting out his genealogy? And very often it's because they're trying to make other points with the genealogy. And even I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I, th- I like in the one that goes back to Adam, I think it's the Matthew genealogy. There's a sequential, like the, there's the same amount of numbers, and then the text stops and then it picks up the genealogy again. And Matthew's like breaking it up in this very specific way, um, that uh, yeah is trying to set you up, I guess, for for some of the things he's going to say later in his gospel. And Luke's genealogy would work similarly. So I think the view that Genesis is non-literal does not uh, perish because <clears throat> there are genealogies that you can trace back. They would just say that, like with. The Genesis passage, or plenty other passages in the Bible, um, the genealogies are not maybe meant to be taken historical, literal, like a like a linear historical narrative. It doesn't mean that they're all non historical or that none of these people existed. That's not what the view is saying at all. Oh, that's interesting. It's just saying it's just, it's well, yeah. I mean, that's clearly not what the view is saying. Like, I mean, no matter what what side of this debate you fall on, you think at least most of the Old Testament is historical and that there's a lot of historical truth conveyed there.
3: So you can, you can believe that Adam and Eve were real people and believe in old earth at the same time.
1: Sure. Yeah. A lot of people do it. They oh. would just say that. So, the, so again, the viewer go something like this, that, well, the earth was, was old and Genesis one and two um, don't convey maybe that linear, again, I keep saying linear historical narrative but there were still two first people. So I think no matter what view you take, so we, you know we talked about new earth, which is the earth is about six thousand years old. Old earth, which is that it's much older than that, probably millions of years old. And then there's even a third view that's also old earth that would be like evolution. Like you, you basically think that evolution is true. All if you're a Christian, you think all of those views are um, creation views. So they're all God is. You you, also, you often hear like creation versus evolution. Well, there are a lot of people who are like, no, I'm a creationist, but I also believe in evolution. That I th- all of these views are, are directed by God. All of these views um, think that at some point humanity there's there are first people, right? Like you like humanity, like even if even if you're an evolutionist, you're still gonna think that at some point God is like putting his image into a man and a woman, and, and that you could say, well, that's Adam and Eve, right? And maybe that happened 6,000 years ago, even if the earth is millions of years old, for example. That's just how how that view would kind of run. So you could still think that there are historical Adam and Eve, even if Genesis 1 and 2 doesn't record the exact, like, biological way that they that they're formed.
0: Yeah, or if you're like, with the evolution, they would be the first two people... That would have like the souls or be different and made in God's image, so in a way they were the first two humans. But before that, there was somebody that looked a lot like a human but didn't
3: quite have that special breath of life. So yeah. then you would, when it says like that, God made Adam out of the dust. He could be, is he actually re- is, yeah. referring to Adam there, or is he referring to the original?
1: Well, it's like, interesting. A lot of I the, don't know
3: evolution theory. Is that like yeah, he made the tadpole exa- out of exa- dust, exa- and then exactly yeah, it's coming. From it the came ground. into Adam, and then you can still believe that. Like, I guess you don't have to believe it, but like Eve came out of Adam's rib or something.
0: Mm-hmm. I I just wanted to throw this out there. This is just something that made me think of when it comes to, like reading like the out of dust thing. I don't think that God literally knit me together in my mother's womb. You know what I mean? but that's like kind of like an image used that we can like get something from and like we gather and a lot of people hold on to that for a lot of different reasons. And so I think in the same way, it's like we were formed out of dust. Like, yeah, maybe we weren't literally like, he didn't take like some dust and form us, but we can look at what it means to be formed out of dust and like why they would use that image. And we can still gain a lot from
1: that. Yeah. yeah. And and again, this gets back to that word literal, which is kind of a tricky word. Like I think the literal way to interpret that God uh, knit me in my mother's womb is that God really did form me in my mother's womb is, is a creative act. But yeah, it's like, well, if, if by to interpret it literally, I have to think that God used like, I don't know how do you He's knit crocheting. things, like yeah, yeah. Crocheting, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, well then maybe I don't interpret it literally, but it seems to me that that's just a really bad way to use the word literal. Right. And like the, the better way is saying the literal interpretation is what the text is communicating. Um, and like that would be, that God is forming us in the in our mother's womb, but anyway, yeah. that's just kind of. Is there a science. better like word to just, use than literal? Then, because no, I, I, I agree with you, but yeah, and this is why I always kind of put the tie those three literal historical narrative or um, linear historical narrative together. Is that it is hard to talk about these things, and literal is, is a fine word, but that just I I, I always hesitate on that because I want to I do want to interpret the Bible literally and want to take it seriously. I just don't think that that means uh like when I when again when I approach something like a parable that I have to take it as yeah that okay, now this literal is then equal to historical narrative, right, or that uh there was actually a person called the Good Samaritan, um so I just want to kind of break that apart a little yeah. bit and say literal can, yeah.
2: yeah,, these are the things that man, just make my head spin. I'm gonna be sitting here all day, like later. Like if you see me dazing and like whatever staring off, I'm like, was God with some yarn crocheting Bruce <laughs> in his mother's womb? I love How that old image. is the Earth? Come on, what, where are dinosaurs? That come on vegetation? Back to the carrots? Like what's going on? But I don't have to sit here and like stew on it and like make it drive me crazy because I'll sure. think for hours. I'm like, what? What's the answer, God? What do
3: you think now after hearing some of the things laid out?
2: I think I'm gonna fail. Bible school or science or science class, all of it combined, it's over my head, but I know God's good. <laughs> yeah, no, this is
1: it. This is exactly the point. And this is what, like, it frustrates, it frustrates me to no end when I hear Christians, like, giving up their faith because of this. It's like, okay, look, I'm not a scientist, uh, and I think there's enough in the text to say that, like, this, this again, is not maybe a, a linear historical narrative so I don't know how God created the earth, but what I do know is that God created the earth
2: and mm-hmm. God created
1: us and God made us in His own image. And those are those are the most important things. Yeah. Like if you can buy that, you can just buy the very first passage of the Bible. Like you don't need to the very first line that God created the heavens and the earth. That that's the core. That's what Genesis is trying to tell us. And science
3: right? isn't gonna disprove anything God yeah,
1: did. All truth is God's truth. Look, like what we. Um, there's, there's not going to be anything that science shows to be true that is, or that we know, let's say that we know to be true, that then is contrary to God's word in scripture. Now that doesn't yeah. mean that scientists are infallible, obviously, right? Like, so like scientists make mistakes. Um, sci- I mean, just look at the history of science, a, a lot of revision and changing. Um, but the same with, I think we have, to, we have to approach scripture with the same amount of humility and recognize that the Bible is infallible but our interpretations of the Bible are not infallible and that many people often do make mistakes in interpretations and we have to be willing to see that revision, uh, to see that and then revise our interpretations.
3: So for our faithful listener out here, Drew Workman, who's just been asking for the dinosaurs over and over, Bruce brought this from stage. What about the dinosaurs? (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, you can go to to see Ken Ham's museum up in Northern Kentucky and go to the ark and see that there were dinosaurs on the ark, according to Ken Ham. Um, Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before. I think if you're a new earth person, so if you think the earth is 6,000 years old, you either have to believe that dinosaurs didn't exist or you have to believe that people were on the earth at the same time as dinosaurs. And if you're comfortable like flying in the face of quote unquote kind of scientific evidence or, or the, the geological uh, evidence for the age of dinosaurs, then yeah, you can, you can kind of bite that bullet, either of those bullets. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, from what I know, again, we're, I'm just saying this on testimony. I'm not a scientist, um, but we, we believe a lot of things on testimony. That's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, is that the, the dinosaurs are much older than that. And this is one you know piece of evidence for old Earth or why people um, want to hold to the old Earth view is that it does seem as if the Earth is a lot older based on scientific data.
0: Yeah, I think for me, if I read Genesis like a science textbook and try to read it like it's informing me on how the... I don't want to say literal, the historic exact ways that the earth was created, then I think i run into a lot of problems with the main theories that people push around out in the world and like what I grew up learning in public school and what I learned in my biology class freshman year about evolution. And so for me, I just feel like if you're old earth or if you're young earth, there's a lot that you would have to work through and explain. And I think if you're which doesn't mean it's wrong. Like doesn't mean you shouldn't do that. But I think if you're old earth, you can kind of, the two meet. Like how we read the Bible and what we see in the earth can kind of like meet together in this really, really cool way. And so that's why I would identify more with old earth for sure. And about the dinosaurs, I think it's exactly, I don't want to say exactly, but it's what you learned about in high school. Like they were around before, there was this meteor that came, wiped them out. And I don't think that that goes against um what genesis says if you're reading it through the lens of the old earth perspective
1: yeah yeah and, and i do want to say I, I, I can feel people out there that and this is a common complaint or objection to the view that that let's let's say for example that adam and eve weren't historical people and in, in the sense that they're communicated here the worry is then like oh well if we can't trust that, that It kind of starts to break down trust in Scripture, and if we can't trust that there was an Adam and Eve or we can't trust that Genesis 1 is a historical narrative, why should we trust that the Gospels are a historical narrative, for example? And if, I just want to I want to try to diffuse that worry mm-hmm. and just say that, like, look, we all, no matter what you think about the Bible, we all agree that there is a lot of analogy and metaphor and parable in here that is... Um, that's not historical, that's not kind of literal in that sense that we've been talking about, we all agree on that, right? It doesn't matter how extreme you are on, on one side of wanting to take the Bible super literally and historical, you still think there's a lot in there that's non-historical and non-literal. And so it shouldn't shake anybody's faith to say that there are some things that are non-literal. It's just a question of, well, what what is it? Wh- which parts are and which part, parts aren't? And we can have that discussion, Right. But I just don't want anybody now thinking, oh, is the authority of the Bible or is like the the trustworthiness of the Bible in doubt because of this question? I think the answer is absolutely not because we all already kind of agree on this point and we just now kind of have to to figure out, we don't have to, but the question is which things are and which things aren't and it's not so much if there are or if they aren't there.
0: Yeah, I'm about to butcher John Mark, homer quote but he i've heard him say something along the lines before of like the bible isn't a book but it's a library and so each book of the bible is different and if we're trying to read them with the same all in the same way like i wouldn't read my you know science textbook in the same way that i would necessarily read narnia you know what i mean and if we're trying to read all these books in the same way we're going to miss out on a lot and we're going to kind of make a lot of mistakes along the way so i think as you're approaching each book we can look at it and say okay there's different ways to read even this one book, but I'm not going to necessarily read it a certain way.
1: Yeah. And something that's foreign to us, but that's true of the Bible is that a lot of times the genres mix. So again, Daniel is a good example of this that again, CSF's going through. There's a lot that's, that's written in the historical style and there's a lot that's written in what's called apocalyptic style, which is non-historical and very symbolic. Uh, So yeah, even, even kind of, Discerning that is a little bit more of a challenge than it is for us today, in the way we have kind of clear, neat categories.
3: Yeah, and even what you're saying about the gospels, like there's like historical record of Jesus as a person outside of Scripture, correct? You know, sure. as like a historical figure. But so to throw this back to another question that we got is, and kind of goes back to what we maybe I think this is included in the predestin predestination conversation, as in, you know, we were given a choice. Adam and Eve chose, like, God created the world to be without sin. Adam and Eve chose to let sin come in and enter the world through their being tempted by the serpent. So if, you know, if that was an historical thing, like, how can then we explain all the, like... Mm-hmm. Like, so the question that we got was, uh, the, you know, the knowledge of... The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, how there was evil outside of the world before the fall. So I guess where did evil come from is eventually where we'll get to, but of how do you explain, like, the sin narrative entering the world if this is a, I don't, the analogy isn't the right word, but, you know, because I think that's an important thing for us to learn of, like, that God created the world to be without sin, but we as humans, you know, how Jesus comes and is the second Adam is to fulfill the, you know, Paul talks about in Romans, how Jesus is going to be the second Adam fulfill the mistakes that the first Adam made and all these things. So how do we then explain all of that?
1: Yeah, I don't have neat explanations for you. Um, And again, this, yeah, this is where I think probably the, the new earth people would want, would want to plant their flag and find their kind of strongest uh, points on their side. Um, So, yeah, for the tree question, like it's, you know, so the the knowledge of the tree, because I think the question was, if there's knowledge of good and evil before the fall, um, how, how can there be be knowledge of evil? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly the answer to that. But a couple of things I would say is like, well, it seems at some point that there's a fall of the angels before the fall of man. Right. So you've got um, that's. Part, part of the story of the fall recorded in Genesis 3 is the serpent, who, again, we, we generally think of as Satan or the evil one or the deceiver. And so he's, he's already fallen at this point. This, he's not, this is not the result of, of human fall. So it may be that there's some sort of knowledge of evil. But the, but the traditional view on evil is that evil is not a thing in itself, Evil is just a privation of good is the, is the kind of fancy word, which just means that um, evil is just the absence of good. So you, you the kind of the uh, the uh, usual analogy here is um, there's really no such thing as darkness. There's just the absence of light, and we just call that thing dark. Um, but dark doesn't exist apart from the absence of light or cold and heat. Cold is just the absence of heat. Um that's kind of how evil and good relate. And so when I read something like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I think of God as giving Adam and Eve two options. This is life with God, mm-hmm. or this is life with not God, right? And apart from God. And when you take, when you partake of this tree, you learn what evil is like because you start to see what life is like apart from when we live apart from God. Um, and so that, that's how I read the sort of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So I'm not sure that there is necessarily, um, evil that they could have like conceived of at that time. Like, it, but it's only, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy as well, because it's an eating the, the it's only an eating for the fruit from the tree that they would have this knowledge. So you could just say that, well, the knowledge doesn't actually exist until they eat from the tree. Right. And that, uh, but God just knows that like, if they do eat of it, then they'll have this knowledge, which is obviously a bad thing. I would really, if 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 you find this kind of conundrum interesting about the the tree and why did God put the tree here and just at the decision of Adam and Eve um, to eat it, there's two two books. One would be Paradise Lost, which is one of the most famous poems ever, and it's very long, but it's really really good. Um, but here's here's the more accessible one because that's 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 a tough challenge. That's for those of you who are like. You know, that's that's the grad level the scholars. The scholars, you might say, (laughs) the other doctors out there. Um, but it is really excellent. The other one is Paralandra by C. S. Lewis. We're at you know, this is we're at Lewis' house. Paralandra is you like Paralandra? That's actually my favorite C. S. Lewis book. When I was joking about Narnia,
0: I was like, I feel like no one's gonna know if I say Paralandria, but that's my favorite book.
1: Yeah. So but the just to to kind of whet your appetite and to get you excited about it, the premise is um the the main character of the protagonist goes to what is essentially Venus and is having a conversation with Venus's version of Eve basically and there and he's trying to convey to her what it would be like if she does this thing that god has has told her not to do and he's having a hard time doing it because she doesn't have the categories she's like in you know, evil like what is this like and it's just it's such a good um yeah, it's just such a good scene and interaction. So anyway, Paralandra, uh, there's there's the plug for that. So I don't know. That, that's some of my thoughts on the tree.
0: I guess if you're reading Old Earth, I'll ask, like, do you think that there was literally a tree? Sorry, I can't, I can't stop myself from using <laughs> it. Do you think historically there was one tree in a garden and one man and woman ate of that tree and then things spiraled? Or do you think the tree is somehow in reference to a greater decision that man and you know, mankind had to make as a whole. And we chose wrong based on that decision. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I would maybe say also there's a middle view that there, even if there's not a historical, uh, literal and I'm fine, well, we can use the, we can use the word. I'm not going to put an <laughs> in, uh, it in embargo on it. Um, we, even if there isn't a historical literal tree, that there may still be a decision by one person or by the first people. It's not just like an analogy for humanity's decision that we all have to make, even though I think to some extent it is that, right? And the, the, I think the text even draws that out. It's like we, it, we, we all have to to kind of make this decision um, to some extent, and we all fail to some extent, right? Um So yeah, I don't know. I I don't, again, back to kind of my original line is I don't really have settled convictions about how this historically unfolded, but I do have a lot of convictions about what this means for our relationship with God and that uh, our ancestors fell. And we are also living in this fallen state because of that fall. And we are now living in sin, for lack of a better term, and we need redemption. Like th- That's, that's I think, the story, what this story is. M- that's the most important thing the story communicates. I'll put it that way. Um, so I don't, yeah, in terms of what actually happened, quote-unquote, like what's the literal historical truth, I don't know. I'm happy with, with any of those things.
2: Yeah, Derek, I think that's good that whether we think this is literal or not or a metaphor or, you know, if the world really was created in six days um the apple was a thing or it's just a analogy i think it's good that you're hitting on okay we fell there was sin we needed a savior there's redemption through jesus and like whether we like we can go on forever about what is what is real what's not i don't know what's going on with genesis but these are like the main things that we just can't like waver from that's good
0: Yeah, well, I honestly kind of like the way that settled in there. I am now more established on Old Earth, so much more still open wow. to anything. Come talk to me, but I'm about it. Again, he he, he convinces me. Um, real quick, before we go, I just want to give a shout-out. The questions, we forgot to say who they're from. Dinosaurs, Drew Workman, legend. Um, the tree question is from one of my shift guys, it's Seth Smith. Good, good dude. So. He He's an avid listener and he comes and he'll question everything I say on the pod. And <laughs> <laughs> I love it and hate it. So, uh, yeah, that's good. And then the new earth versus old earth was Kyle Schilling. It's his
3: birthday today. Happy
2: hey, birthday, yeah. Kyle. Uh, yeah. Happy Big day.
3: 21. <laughs> I am excited even for the can of worms that this is going to open to for because like I even have so many more questions about evil and like, we'll maybe have an evil part two or something because I think we open a lot of, but once again, like part of our goal for this is to like not have every single conversation for you guys to go and start asking Bruce, start asking your shift group leaders, um, be having these conversations because it's, it's my dad always like invites me in it. Say, like, Michael, you should be struggling with scripture, like, actually be reading it, be questioning it, be going to God. What does this mean? Like, let's dig into what scripture has for us and let's learn what it says and have conversations and yeah. figure it out.
1: I, I just want to add, too, I know I'm, uh, I, I probably don't know most of you that are listening, and I may be a bit of a, a mystery as just the old guy that lives in the hobbit hole down <laughs> in the basement. Uh, and I'm around, I'm around a lot at the Lewis house building and Hey, I'm an introvert. So if you're like hanging out in the lobby and I, I don't just like walk up and introduce myself to you, like, I'm sorry. I'm just not a very, uh, I, I, I guess, I don't know if I have social anxiety or what. I just don't like talking to to new people, <laughs> um, but I like meeting people still. And I want I'd love to meet you. Like if you want to talk more about these issues, so, so just, you know, I know Mike plugged like, Hey, go talk, talk to your shift group leader or talk to, to. Jade or Mike or Bruce, come talk to me too. Like my my door is open. Come come knock on the door down there, or if you you know just bump into me sometime. Like introduce yourself and and ask a question. I'd love to talk more about any of these issues. And like Mike said, there's a lot more to talk about, especially with evil and how that relates to the fall um, and and the importance of maybe the historicity of a fall. Like those are really important questions that we kind of leave unresolved here, but. Would Yeah, I would love to talk more about some of that.
2: Yeah, before we go, I just want to re- reiterate too um, that I hope after listening to this, you can see how faith and science can go hand in hand, that they shouldn't be separated, that God is the Lord of science. Like science can't debunk him because he created everything, including science and all that that includes. So um, yeah, they work together in a sense. True. So that'd be, a good,
1: that'd be a good episode sometime. Someone should ask about that. Wasn't that a lecture? A lecture. A Lewis House lecture? Oh, yeah, it was, kind of, yeah. Scientism, yeah. But anyway, fun stuff. Yeah. Good word, Jade.
3: All right.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear y'all talking about it. And even with people who aren't necessarily Christians, I know that that can be a super cool discussion on, like, Mm -hmm. how do you think the world was created then? So, great way to share your faith, too. So, uh, we'll be talking with y'all soon, but hope you enjoy the episode. See y'all later.